Teenage Mutant Riz Turtles. My name is Jason. I am the manager of the last video store in the universe. When I'm not busy ranking movies for the dark movie overlords who control all space, time, and reality, I go to the movie theater and I go and I watch movies and I leave there and I talk about my thoughts instantaneously. Such is the case with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. If you want these instant reactions even more instantaneously, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash binge movies. And if you want extended editions of these instant reactions where I, I talk even more so about the movie and how it connects to movies in general and so forth and so on, that's for Patreon as well. Uh, I, I sort of take the movie and use it as a launching off pad to talk about broader subjects. And I tend to talk about spoilers in that section. Um, I'm going to get into some minor spoiler spoilers with this one, um, which is getting massive acclaim. And I guess let's just start there. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> um, hmm. How do I want to frame this? I put an initial kind of review out on Letterboxd, letterboxd.com slash binge movies. And I think that if you read the review, I, th I think the review skews a little bit more negative than I was intending for it to come off as. This movie is very much pitched as a comedy. It's less of where the other iterations of the Turtles, pro probably with the exception of the, what was it, 2007 TMNT, sort of like a, it was an animated movie, but it was in the continuity of the live action film. So it's like the fourth official term, uh, TMNT movie within the 1990 continuity. Um, it, they've all had comedic elements because the element of the turtles, especially once it got, uh, I, I, I was like, my brain wants to talk about it, but I'm like, well, we have to think about the history of the turtles in case you don't know. Here's some context. Uh, Kevin Eastman and Laird, I forget Laird's first name, Jim Laird. That's not right. But, um, Laird and Eastman, kind of came together and they came up with this sort of silly idea. And one of them drew a typical cartoon looking tortoise, but as a ninja and ninjas, thanks to the Canon group and a movie called uh, Re return of the ninja, revenge of the ninja, enter the ninja. One of them uh, sort of introduced the concept of ninjas and ninjutsu into American film culture, at least B movie culture. And from there, it was picked up by people like Frank Miller, who began to reimagine Batman and Daredevil and some of these non-superpowered heroes as, well, they don't have superpowers, but they're ninjas. They're trained as ninjas. And Daredevil had the hand and stick and all these sort of things. And uh, Toxic Sludge was involved. That's where he got some of his superpowers from um, and or his abilities, I should say. And it got all real heavy and dark and whatever. So they launched an independent comic book that was sort of taking the piss out of Daredevil. What if the sludge that splashed Matt Murdock when he was a kid went down a sewer grade and covered the sewer? Uh, uh, a bunch of turtles who fell in a sewer, pet turtles, and um, they were raised by a rat from Japan who <laughs> was the pet of a martial arts expert and sensei. 
And that rat taught his turtle sons ninjutsu, and you got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And it completely fit within the sh- sort of gross-out, toxic waste, uh, sludge and ooze and pus and uh, monster fad that was going on within the mid-'80s to the really the mid-'90s. Um, and so it worked. And people saw some – it was a sort of a dark, gritty – comic book, black and white, that was, and it, all the turtles were indistinguishable from one another, and even kind of personality-wise indistinguishable. And then they got into licensing. Somebody somewhere said, there, hey, there's a, you could license these. And uh, it got to Playmates, and Playmates realized at this time that the only thing, the, the thing you need is you need 22 minutes, 24 minutes of infomercial time to be able to market to kids, to sell action figures. It worked with He-Man, Transformers, G.I. Joe, everything that came before. And so we end up getting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or in your part of the world, Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles or et cetera, et cetera. This is where we get the different colored bandanas. This is where we get an emphasis on different personalities. This is where they, they have the buckles with their initial on it. It all comes from the cartoon, which is really an infomercial for the action figure. And it launched this licensing merchandising boom, the likes of which we will never see again. No, because not only was it a successful mass media campaign conspiracy, basically, um, but the, the it was sort of a fabricated fad in a sense. But the general public wanted it, and they wanted the turtles faster than stuff could be produced for the turtles. So it became a syndicated animated series. It was a regular Saturday morning series. Those two are those two things are not the same thing, at least in the United States. Um, Read on CBS. The first run stuff ran on CBS. Syndication was obviously picked up wherever. Um, it ran basically six days a week because of that um, in most places in the country. And the turtles became larger than life, just absolutely larger than life, and have remained a consistent part of the pop culture zeitgeist ever since. Um, the turtles have this unique property to them, no pun intended, where they can mutate into whatever it is they need to be in whatever era, error, era. <laughs> I can't say error, but era. They can become whatever they want to be because teenagers are perennial. Ninjas will never not be cool. Martial arts will never not be cool. Um, the concept of them being mutants is sort of inherently interesting and makes them outsiders, which obviously links up to their um, teenageness. So they have a Spider-Man-like quality. Put that note away. Um, So you can kind of relate to them. And then what the cartoon did is it gave them distinct personalities. Everybody can relate to somebody in the the original Turtles 3 or Turtles 4. The foursome, everybody is a Raphael, a Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello. You introduce April into that mix and Splinter and Casey Jones and these characters. And on top of all of this, the foot, which is obviously a takeoff on the hand, uh, while they may not be interesting, Shredder is dope as fuck. Shredder is the coolest fucking character. <laughs> One of the coolest villains ever. The Shredder. Oh, my God. And that first independent film put out by Golden Harvest, which ended up being the most profitable independent film of all time up to that point, which was, you know, 
built off of the back of the work of the Jim Henson company and Jim Henson's work. What an incredible fucking villain. The way the light gleams off of his razors and like the way he's actually intimidating and fucks with the minds of these kids and recruits them into his army. And, you know, it's just some wild shit. But you can, it could work from as essentially a parody of Frank Miller's style, then kind of be successful just as that dark, gritty, independent comic. It can work as a plushie that you win at the state fair or a book bag or sleeping bag. It works as a piece of merchandising. It works as a fucking cereal or ice cream sandwich. It works as a silly, goofy Saturday morning, actually silly, goofy syndicated cartoon, slightly more serious Saturday morning cartoon. It works through when Viacom got it. The only thing it really didn't work as is the next mutation, which is terrible, but pretty much everything else about it has worked. And let me just make a note of this. Long before there was Across the Spider-Verse, there was the direct-to-video, I think it was originally TV, when Viacom got the rights, they did a basically Across the Turtleverse. It might have been called like TMNT Forever or something like that. And it was pretty much the exact same concept as Spider-Verse, where it's like every iteration of the Turtles ever had a team up, and there was a lot of meta-commentary on the jokes in between. They got original voice actors from the 87 series back. Really good shit. And by the end of it, you're seeing action figures and commercials. And like, it's it's the Spider-Verse, but it was a Turtle-Verse. And somebody will say, well, the Spider-Verse existed in the comic books before. And so they it was really, whatever. They beat Marvel to the punch, or Sony to the punch, with a movie that did pretty much the exact same thing. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the first Spider-Verse, but it's, if you like Spider-Verse, go and try to find that. It's pretty pretty solid from what I remember. And then, like, it, it will fall into dormancy for a while, and then Viacom via Nickelodeon has owned it for, I don't know, probably the better part of 20 years now. And every once in a while, they'll revive the property and do a reboot television series. And sometimes they'll lean more into the edgy, dark stuff. Sometimes they'll lean more into the comedy. Sometimes it'll be a mix of both. Sometimes it'll focus on mutant, the mutant part, and sometimes it'll focus on the ninja part. But famously, as Seth Rogen has said, and everybody has said on their podcast, in their reviews, no one's ever really focused on ex quite exactly the teenage part. I heard somebody else equate the 1990 Turtles as essentially being frat, frat bros, like they're 17, 18, 19. And that's probably about right. Whereas these kids, these Turtles are probably like 13, 14, 15 max, you know. Um, these are like eighth graders. Freshmen in high school. I mean, I guess they're all, they all got to be the same age, right? I guess. But um, that's basically it. They're, they're, they're still barely not kids. And so by putting them in that position, one of the things that it does is it enables you to tell a story with them that is contemporary. And this is kind of one of my major criticisms of it. I love the fact that Turtles can be reinterpreted for generation and generation and generation. And it's something that we sort of pass down to the next generation. I really enjoy that as being one of the first-gen Turtles kids. Although I'm not really first-gen, because I'm kind of second iteration. I was an independent comic Turtles fan. I was Saturday morning syndicated cartoon Turtles fan. So I'm like, I guess, second-gen Turtles fan. And um, by the way, there's a great series out called The Last Ronin. Go ahead and check that out. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's a, there's an omnibus of it now. So go ahead and give that a, a read if you can, if you're into that sort of stuff. But anyway, 
the point being, I like the fact that it gets interpreted and reinterpreted, interpreted, and it can kind of be whatever it needs to be for whoever wants or needs at the time. So I fully admit this movie is not for me, period. It's just not. It's not my pop culture. It's not my references. It's not, um, you know, it's I'm past the sell-by date for this sort of stuff. I just am. I didn't grow up with Attack on Titan. I don't know anything about it. I don't get the references. Um, there's video game references I don't get. It's just like I'm past my prime. I'm just an old man. Um, but my major gripe with it is I'm fine with them focusing on the teenage aspect of it. And also, we have to have this thing now where it's like it, <laughs> it's always the promise of future installments. If we start the characters really young here, when we, we can eventually build to the shredder and the foot, and we can see them develop as ninjas. And I always, always love that idea. It is never happens in the sequels. We never see the development of these characters. They tell you that, oh, well, they might not quite be the turtles you remember, but we're gonna, you know, but we're gonna tell that story over three or four movies. There will no doubt be three or four of these movies. No doubt. I don't have any faith they're going to tell that fucking story. I think by the time we get to the next movie, they're just going to get their ass kicked by Shredder and eventually defeat him. And then it'll be like, that's the character development. That's the growth. It's like, that's, that's not right. That's like, that's not what you're telling me. If you're going to give me an underpowered, shitty version of the Turtles, I'm fine with that because they're young. If I can watch them on screen grow up a little bit and become, I would say my turtles, but the turtles we all know and love. I love the idea of that because we've never seen that. And I like that for a lot of sort of comic book-esque characters. They don't ever fucking do it. They don't ever do it. They'd be like, well, there's a time jump. It's been five years. Now they're ninjas. Or, you know, this is the final test. I have to face the shredder. And it's like, then why do we have this preamble of a movie? And the truth is, you're just milking it. You're milking it for as many fucking movies as you can. There's no interest anymore in telling self-contained stories. Okay. So that, that's just an irk that I have. Prove me wrong, Rogan. Prove me wrong and do the right thing by the next movie. Um, but if, they, if you make them young and you make them underpowered, then you have to focus on the teenage aspect and you have what you have to do is you have to make them likable and relatable and you you're primarily going to do that through humor. If you're not going to focus as much on the action and the lore, which there's some of it here, but then you have to focus on the humor. And of course, humor is subjective and comedy is subjective. And so if you go to see this movie and you find it funny, you are going to thoroughly enjoy it. Four stars, five stars. What a blast, right? Because it, there is a delight to the movie. Undeniably. There is a pleasantness to this film. If it's not funny to you, or not consistently funny enough, you're sitting, then you're, to you, your subjective experience is, I'm sitting through a mediocre comedy. That's not fun. You know, it's charming, but it's not funny. And that's where I land on it. I find it charming. I, I think there are funny things in it, and I, there's a couple laughs that got out of me. Molly Wap, for instance, is funny. Um, there's just a couple of things that really made me laugh, really, like, gave me a hearty laugh. But overall... If I don't think it's funny um, and I'm wanting to, for me, I want to latch on to the turtles. I, these 
are four kids who are indistinguishable from one another to me. These are four Tom Hollands. These, actually, these are three Tom Hollands and one Miles Morales. That's how I would define it. More so than the animation style, more so than certainly the story, it's not really across the Spider-Verse. It's a mix of the Eastman and Laird kind of crude independent comic style plus the you're a kid in uh, homeroom and you are drawing in your notebook style. And with a lot of the gross out humor of 80s and 90s toys that were made famous by you know, that era that the turtles fit into, which is pretty clever. So there's a lot of puke jokes and poop jokes and turd jokes and all this sort of stuff. But it's like TikTok humor. Nothing against it. I'm not demeaning it. I'm just saying that it just doesn't work for me, bro. It just doesn't work for me. And so as I'm watching, I'm like, I, this isn't as funny to me as you think it's, it's funny. And then therefore, if it's not funny, great. I don't need to laugh. Let me latch onto the characters. Oh, they're all the same person. They're all Tom Holland, Spider-Man in Spider-Man Homecoming. And Michelangelo is basically Miles Morales from the first film. And I guess Donatello is kind of a little bit like Miles Morales, but they're, they're Spider-Verse characters. They're Spider-Man characters. And that's where the ripoff, for lack of a better term, really, the inspiration really comes from. The pitch is really easy. What if we made an animated Turtles movie and the Turtles were like Miles Morales? They're like Peter Parker in that first homecoming. They're like the MCU Spider-Man, the current one, updated for the kids of today. And I guess now Tom Holland Spider-Man has been around for 10 years, so he's like the kids of yesterday. But you understand what I'm saying. And I, that's fine for one of them, but they're distinct people. That's the thing that's always worked about the Turtles is that that's what's so perfect about the formula, if there is one, why it's so evergreen is because they're distinct. And at different points in our life, we're all kind of all of the turtles. We are that awkward kid who's like too much into, you know, whatever, which is Donatello, right? Like the kind of brainy, yeah, he's the nerdy one, but he's like the smart one. He's the analytical one. And so we can kind of relate to that because sometimes that's how we are. Maybe that's how we are most of the time. So that's our turtle. Leonardo is like the, he's the, old, he's the oldest brother. Right, He's got older brother syndrome. He's the one that wants to please the parents. He's the one that wants to like follow the rules. He's the rules follower. And therefore, that makes him the leader. And we know, uh, we know what that, like, have you ever done a group assignment? Have to be like, okay, this is, we're like, this is all fucking chaos. This is what we got to do to get this shit done. That's Leonardo, right? Um, Raphael is obviously like the emotional one. He's the one that's like passionate. He's the one that's, it's beyond just anger. He's the one that really, it's got big feelings. Raphael has big, big feelings. If you ever had a big feeling in your life and like that kind of puts you on the outside, that's Raphael. And obviously Michelangelo is the laid back one. He's really the stoner of the group, but he's the laid back one. He's the one that's like, just give me my pizza, give me my skateboard. I'm good. And there are moments where you're like, chill, man. Like, just let everybody calm down. And that's Michelangelo. Like, let's just have a good time. Always cracking jokes, kind of sarcastic, quoting movies and TV shows. When you just make all of them the same, which is my biggest critique of this movie. Well, two, one of two big critiques. Very bothersome. It's like, it's, it's like you're missing something here. 
And so again, you could say, well, we're going to watch their personalities develop because that's how when you're 13, you and your group of friends are all kind of basically the same person. And then you grow apart and all this sort of stuff. It's like, okay, great. If, if you're going to give me that trilogy of these movies that is worth watching as a whole, I'm there for you. But as a 90 minute, this is just supposed to be funny. I'm not laughing. Give me something else that interests me. It's not going to be the action because there isn't very much. It's got to be the characters. And it's a miss on the characters from my perspective. Not the actors, not their likability, not the charm of the voice actors. All good shit. All the banter, good shit. But the personalities aren't quite there. The story doesn't do enough to exemplify who they are. And maybe you can make the argument as we've already, every other iteration's done that. You know who they are. Uh, yeah, but I don't know who they are in this new context you're putting them in. So what does a Raphael um, look like with big emotions in a modern context? What does the eldest child syndrome Leonardo look like for Gen Z? Like, I don't know. That's interesting. Um, there's no reinterpretation really, right? It's just a, it's, it's recontextualization without reinterpretation. My major critique of the film, major, 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 is because it's just doubling down on Paul Rudd as Mondo Gecko. Remember Mondo Gecko? How fucking funny is that? And, and he's very charming as Mondo Gecko. Very charming. And look how ugly this is. Look how crude this is. Look how you know, puke and vomit. And, oh, it's all fine. I'm, I'm, I'm there for all of it. I'm not seeing those things are bad. But then the story that they try to give us, the heart of the story is the turtles don't, do not want to be in the sewer. They want to be accepted by the human world. And they concoct a plan with April O'Neil, who's now a high school kid who's roughly their age, uh, and it's like a blogger, who wants to, like, a vlogger, actually. Um, they want to become heroes for the purpose of gaining acceptance. And Splinter is afraid because as a rat, humans treated him exceptionally poorly. And when they were babies, and after they got touched by the ooze and he took on a human form, he tried to take them up to the human world and humans rejected them as being freaks and monsters. So there are these marginalized people who have to live in the sewers, which is always like, that's, that's fine. That's always kind of been a part of it, right? Like that's Shredder or um, Splinter has always been like, they will not understand you, right? They And they fear what they don't understand. So there's always been that mutant aspect of it that carries on from the X-Men. Okay. All well and good. So the moral of the story is they're doing all of these exploits. They end up falling ass backwards into this plot uh, because they're trying to be heroes and capture the footage and get it on social media for acceptance. Leonardo eventually goes, towards the climax, we need to do this because the human beings start to not accept them. We need to do this whether the human world ever accepts us or sees us as anything other than freaks or not. We need to do it because it's the right thing to do. Bam! That's the heart of your message. That's it. That's the story. Instead, <laughs> they decide to save the day and then they get famous on social media and everything works out for them temporarily because now they're the most popular kids in Manhattan because everybody's like those turtles save the day. I'm semi okay with the idea of them not having to live in, 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 in uh, anonymously in the sewer. But when the story you're trying to tell 
to a social media obsessed generation is you need to do what's right simply because it's right, not for acceptance and, and going viral. And then the more you undercut that by the way you become accepted is by going viral and, and being cool on social media. It's a fucked up message. And I don't know that anybody, I've heard anybody address it, but because I think everybody's being wowed and charmed and dazzled by the humor of it. I'm just sitting there going, this isn't that funny to me. I, and then I'm going, okay, it's not funny. So I can't enjoy it on a charm level. It's, 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 it's fine, right? It's not bad, but it's just not working at level for me. It's not distracting me. Let me focus on the characters. Oh, they're all the same person. Okay, what's the story? Oh, this story is good. I'm vibing with the story. And it totally worked with like Superfly and his motivation and Splinter or uh, yeah, Splinter's fears and like it, it works. They kind of do Splinter a little bit dirty. He, he's, he, I, I, but I found most of his stuff the funniest. The milking and all that sort of stuff that he he's obsessed with this idea after the human world catches them they'll put them in a lab and milk them and that's funny to me and Jack, jackie chan's performance is very funny to me for some reason anyway uh, i could have done without the he's in love with a scumbug kind of thing but then you just undercut everything you just did for the last 90 minutes so that we can have this twist at the end of the film of them finding acceptance and it just didn't fucking work for me so I recognize that the movie is good. Um, it's I recognize that it's a good time, right? Short, colorful, distinct, interesting, well beyond uh, a Spider-Verse ripoff stylistically. It's its own thing. Fantastic. The mutant stuff, there's some funny stuff in there. Uh, the needle drops didn't work for me at all, but I'm not a needle drop guy for the most part. Um, I just think there's it's almost always on the nose and just kind of, I just didn't... I don't know. I mean, it's like any up, it just feels played out to me. We've heard it so many times now. Um, so to me, like I give it a solid, like you can't on letterbox, give it a three and a quarter. That's what I would give it. It's I like three and a half just felt too generous for the amount of problems that I had with it, but it is still a likable, decent enough movie. Okay. Those are my complicated thoughts about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I got my own mutant down here. It's a mutant pig. Uh, it's Iggy, the home video pooch. She is a mutant. Stop. Stop talking. Um, yeah, so I. those are my thoughts. I'll, I'm going to get into some spoilery sort of stuff, although I kind of already did. But I've got some thoughts over on Patreon. Uh, if you are a patron, this episode rolls on. If not, until next time, binge on. Binge on.